Welcome to Patscast, the unofficial Regina Pats podcast. It's episode 157. It's December 19th tonight. We got Kevin here, and we got Drew there, and Chris hosting as usual. How are we tonight, folks? Well, there's still no snow, so I'm happy. I know there's a lot of farmers that would appreciate it, but uh, my back isn't the best when it comes to shoveling, so I'm enjoying the the warmer December weather. I don't know about you guys, but I like it. It's been unbelievable. We're going to have a pretty much a brown Christmas by the looks of things. So. Yeah, or we could, yeah. And the temperatures are unbelievable. It's definitely it's nice. El Nino. I can't park in my garage right now, so I'm happy there's not much snow. No window scrape. Well, window scraping, yeah. but no, no big snow brushes yeah. in the morning, yeah. yeah. And the car hasn't been too cold in the morning, so it's nice. <laughs> but yeah, so we're here to kind of wrap up the first unofficial first half of the season. We got the Christmas break here, and yeah, so we thought we'd bring Drew on. He's been on before, if you haven't heard. But uh, thanks for coming out tonight. Not a problem. Yeah, talk some Pat's hockey tonight. Uh, yeah, kind of just go over the first half. Kind of what were the, our expectations of this team? Kind of going into this season. Kind of we we talked about it. I don't know, kind of at the end of last year, we we weren't too sure what to expect. And uh, maybe the team maybe overachieved a bit at the start, didn't it? Mm-hmm. For me, the optimism was pretty low. Um, I, I'll admit that uh, I was probably wrong because the start was pretty, pretty solid, especially at home. And it's a team now that kind of has us conversing back and forth before we started recording tonight. What direction do they take with the trade deadline now only three weeks away? Because they've overachieved, or, or they did early on anyway. The expectations were really high. They got high because they started off so strong. And then all of a sudden, they hit a big lull. And everybody kind of jumped off the bandwagon, so to speak. <laughs> it's weird. Like, the team was playing so well. Uh, I don't know if they were taking other teams by surprise. Um, it seemed really Brad had instilled that work ethic and we really seen that the four lines and, and just playing hard because they knew it was going to be a scoring by committee group there wasn't you know any superstar left here um, not to take anything away from the guys that are here but I think everybody bought in and I don't know if there's a couple different issues that kind of not sunk this team but kind of got them into that like lull there like you talk about the whitehead injury um the goaltending was good, and then they kind of changed it up, and then it kind of t- took a step back, and it was it was unfortunate there, and and now you're thinking like, well, what does this team do going forward? But it, it it's some odd situation, right? Like this team next year, right? You're looking at it next year, and it's like, what are they gonna do next year? You got all these old guys, stuff like that. Can they come back and make not make a run, but it's like, what what are they going to do? Do they want to stay old and try to make a push for the playoffs? Yeah. Or do they want to get younger and hope for better next year and the year after build for the, the Cole Temple Corbin Allman years? Yeah, it really is a crossroads. And I'm, I'm kind of with the latter there. I think, you know, in junior hockey, why, why barely make the playoffs and, you know, get ousted in the first round or, or in the second round, even if you're likely to be matched up against a team that you've played well against in the regular season, why not just build for the years where you can have high expectations in the playoffs? So I've always kind of had the mindset of, okay, maybe we can be a bubble playoff team, but but why not build to be a team that can compete in the playoffs? And if I had to 
you know, if I was making the decisions, obviously I'm not. There's a reason I'm doing the games on the radio because uh, some of the decisions I make probably wouldn't be uh, in the team's best interest. But I kind of think, you know, <laughs> you got to be playing guys like Cole Temple and Corbin Allman a lot right now, even if that means, you know, more Sec. character wins than two points in the standings because it just seems like this is a team that's right on the bubble. And like I said, when you're right on the bubble in junior hockey, my opinion has always been to sell and build for the years where you're not on the bubble. You're a team that has high expectations. But a lot of teams really just want to make the playoffs so they can get a little bit of money coming in. <laughs> that's a whole other issue, yeah. yeah. So Especially with the economy these days, exactly. absolutely. Yeah. Once, they, once teams make the playoffs, a lot of mm-hmm. teams tend to make money, not just barely break even. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's just two games. like. That, a lot of teams would beg for two games. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing. That it's such a catch twenty two, and like on the hockey side of it, yeah. There's there's what I said, but yeah, I didn't even know it. I didn't even think about that, and that's an excellent point. I mean, there's teams that are really just probably not even breaking even that a couple of years ago would have been probably turning a profit, but just yeah, with exactly. the way things have gone as of late, yeah. That's I didn't I didn't even think of that. And yeah, no, I think some of the smaller market teams like they they plan for the regular season, right? And playoffs, anything playoffs is a bonus. That's where they make mm-hmm. the money, right? They they'll break even, maybe make a little bit in the regular season. And even, some of those teams, like okay, if we don't sell or we don't buy, but we don't really sell either, and we kind of just every year we're decent, and you can make one, maybe two rounds. Kind of like the Pats with the Parker era, and just collect <laughs> mm-hmm. and just collect a little mm-hmm. bit of money, especially yep. those small market teams, right? They they need those couple extra two, three, maybe four four home gates, right? To, exactly to make the to make that extra profit but yeah it is like i said it's such a catch-22 and kevin and i've talked about this before the team is old and you're you're not getting those younger guys experience that are going to be playing next year like we talked about the 320s on d like plus a 19 on d plus a 19 there's your top four are could all be gone next year yeah so that's right and you're not getting these young guys experience especially on the forward group where they have a some good young talent that should be playing some more yeah, and I think there's a fine line. Like, sure, you can have those veteran guys back there that can mm-hmm. really help Bridgman and Kristinowicz to a sense, but when those two guys don't get to play because your three twenty-year-olds are eating up all those minutes just because, well, obviously they're the more effective players, it almost has the reverse effect. And yeah, you're not developing those younger guys for yeah. the next couple of years. Sure, sure, they're 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 learning lots uh, in the locker room and and through conversations, but they're not getting that on ice experience when when you have those those three twenty-year-olds back there. And if they, if they keep the three twenties for next. Like for the end of the season, and then next year, what do they do? They bring in more twenties to do the same thing for the year after. Yeah, it's it's almost a a continuation. Or do they completely go rebuild next year? Like that, that just I I don't know. It's well, that's thing you got intriguing five twenty-year-old forwards next year. So yeah, right. Plus a D-man, so you got six twenties next year. So you're losing three for for three automatically. Yeah. So for people that don't follow this team, I think they'd be surprised to hear that the average age of this hockey club is just about 19 years old i think they'd be really really surprised to hear that uh, even i was surprised when i looked at that at the start of the season and then i was like okay there's actually some players that have been here together for three or four years and maybe that played into the early season success that they had a little a little bit was there was guys that were very familiar with each other and had developed some chemistry that you know i guess maybe we didn't pay super close attention to it last year obviously with uh, connor bedard here and uh, stanislav svozel but uh, that's that's maybe one of the things that was overlooked a little bit and when 
back to the the whole Braxton Whitehead injury, the Pats were flying until mm-hmm. the 12th game. And then I don't know if it was just what happened with that injury kind of got in their heads or something something happened all of a sudden they just fell off the tracks and just went way totally off their game. They 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 had some really bad stinker games after that. But before that, they were really strong every game. It was I don't know what to say. Yeah, uh, it was weird. We we talked about it. But like, is Braxton Whitehead the heartbeat of this team? Like, the straw that stirs the drink. Yeah, and you know he he got off to a good start. He had what six five six goals in that those first few games. Yeah, and twelve points in twelve s- games. And there you go. Yeah, now like, five assists in the three games that he's been back. So he's obviously uh, an offensive threat for the team. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know when you talk to the players, they they just rant and rave about how great of a person he is and and how beneficial he is in the locker room so that that can be a big reason because a lot of times those guys they're not going to travel when they're injured when and you're on the road and stuff so yeah i know i know his offense didn't take a back seat but definitely he he didn't he was focusing more on his defensive game and so maybe this year was maybe a little bit of a surprise for him that offensive output and you look at it he's still fifth in team scoring and he missed almost half the games as Mm -hmm. everybody else has played so that maybe speaks to the rest of the depth of this team as well yeah, I, I think it absolutely does. Um, it, it's uh, it's something to see with Braxton Whitehead this year because he had always been kind of in that shutdown role, and then all of a sudden there he is in the in the top the top three in the top six role, uh, night in and night out almost. But uh, and he was thriving, like, and, and he really was. Yeah, and uh, he was playing uh, power play time and stuff like that a lot more than he did last year. So uh, I think you know the way he's gone, he could he could easily be a seventy point player this year if he continues to play the way he's played. And stays healthy. He has the potential to be there, yeah. But like yeah. you said, stay healthy. But he's he's the I, I I do really think he is the straw that stirs the drink. Yeah, yeah. and like you, like we talk about who who's going to be back next year. I mean, it's like he's obviously one guy that is is staying. I think like unless somebody just comes in and overwhelms um, Alan Miller with some crazy offer, it's it's a guy that is clearly a leader on and off the ice like I don't nothing to take anything away from Hal but I think he's more of the on ice leader like I don't I think he he's the you know play go as I play kind of thing and and even just talking to Braxton Whitehead he, he just coming back from this injury and like he's yeah he, I think he's like that off ice guy that really is is bringing these guys together Braxton Whitehead's probably wearing the C on on a lot of other teams uh, in in the Western Hockey League uh, if he's there. And uh, you're right, that's taking nothing away from Tanner Howe. He's an excellent uh, lead-by-example type player. And if Tanner Howe, by by some chance, is not here next year, I think Braxton Whitehead is the player that wears the C. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, Yeah, and then I think one of the other big things was the goaltending. And and I know Kevin and I talked about that, and it, it seemed to be working you know, going back and forth, the back game. and forth, and then all of a sudden they switched it up to uh, UA getting all a few starts in a row, and all of a sudden things started going south a little bit, or quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, and I don't want to say it's all on him either. No, there but things I didn't say yeah, things no, with no. him. I said things. Everything kind of went south. Yeah, at the same time, losing Whitehead, his and Temple going to the under under seventeens or whatever that yeah. that took two forwards out of the top six at the time yeah i forgot about that yeah so yeah there's a little bit lost some chemistry there team maybe struggled to find some new chemistry with some new line mates or or whatever it was line mates 
the, the blender lines. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're they're never the same. No, <laughs> they aren't. But can't find chemistry if they're not the same. Yeah, that's a that's a whole nother I, issue. I, I think the goaltending is is a big thing though. I think it's to the point now where someone just has to step up and grab and, and grab that number one position. And my crazy theory is, and you can you can call me crazy and say, Oh, he's looking a little bit too much into it was early on these two guys were competing with each other. It was healthy, friendly competition, and maybe they kinda kinda got a little bit complacent and thought, Okay, we're one A, one B. Maybe that affects your play a little bit when you're not competing for a position and think okay we're splitting the games for the rest of the season and that maybe that's a theory that's way out there but sports psychology is really really something to, that's uh, not talked about a lot and you never know what what can happen uh, in in a player's head you're competing for a position early on and then maybe it's just human nature you get a little bit complacent when you think okay we're 1a and 1b but i really think someone's just got to step up and grab that number one position and now that they've got malaka here they've got three goalies what do they do is he here for the rest of the season? Who knows? He's got, right? a, he's got a Pat's mask. <laughs> I don't know if that means anything or not, but he has a Pat's mask. Yeah, he's played one game. And like we said in this week's episode, he hasn't played much this year. So is he getting thrust into a, a role here? Well, he is now, but when Huey comes back, what what's the situation there? It's, if they're going to have to do something with Agoli, what do they do? Which, which one moves? What do they do? Do they send him back to get some more seasoning or what? Yeah, right, like. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Because um, you're gonna have two 19s next year as well, right? That, yeah, if they keep both held, two 19s. Like we've talked about it's not the most ideal situation, and you don't want to carry three after the no. deadline either. You need no. to you need to get down to two. Moaka needs to play. He hasn't exactly. played much this year, so I think probably he has probably go down to AAA, back to AAA, and yeah. continue to play. I don't know. Well, but, it all the, all depends on what happens after Christmas. They play four games and what five or six days yeah he's gonna be playing a couple of those games probably yeah i guess it all depends on how he plays yeah if he doesn't show well i think he's just a victim of his age because he's still young by goaltender standards in this league i think that uh, his age is just uh, he's just a victim of his age and goes back but if he comes out and stands on his head or has a, a really good showing then he could push somebody out because like i said kelton pine and you and huey no one's just grab that number one position this year they've both shown flashes that they're capable it was october that one night where he put on one of the best goaltending performances that uh, anybody's seen in years in the brand center so they're both capable but someone's just got to grab it and if they don't then all of a sudden you could have this 17 year old <laughs> playing a lot of the games in january february and march and malaka played well in his his only mm -hmm. game with the pats so he's the only one to get a point out of edmonton <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting story there. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Uh, Oil Kings have the Pats number. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's kind of like we we've, we've kind of covered a few of these kind of topics that I had written down. Like, what moves is Alan Miller going to make? Like, obviously we can't predict it, but he's he said he wants to get bigger and he wants to get younger. How does he do that? He's got to get rid of the older guys. <laughs> what older guys? Who knows? Because, like we've said, they have six 19s and the 320s on defense. And you can only keep three of those guys for next year. Yeah. I, 
Pats fans will hate to hear it because he's a fan favorite. But like you said before we started recording, and I agree with you, and I thought the same thing. Parker Bird could bring you a lot for the future. Uh, you know you're going to have two pretty good top six forwards and Cole Temple and Corbin Allman. Um, it seems to me like uh, Kristinovich and Bridgman could turn into solid defensemen. Obviously, Corbin Vaughn, who's injured right now, has just leaps and bounds really become a really, really good defenseman uh, for this team. Yeah. They, miss, they miss him. And they're missing him now, yeah. And, uh, you know, you wouldn't have said that last year when he was out. But uh, and, and Jackson Vaughn, too, on the forwards. But uh, yeah. you really seem like you have three core defensemen that are young that you can build off of, two young forwards that you can build off of. Uh, so I think the time is now to really give Parker Berg the opportunity to go to a team that's expecting to go far this year. And uh, if you're the Pats, you can you can build to the future because there's there's some pieces there. And uh, you, you can see that if there's some moves made, maybe they're just one or two moves away from really building a team that, that can contend in a couple of years. Yeah, and that's the thing, though. Moving the 20, there's only a couple teams out there that don't have a full complement, so you're going to most likely have to bring back a and, 20. And like you said, if you're looking for, for high draft picks, a lot of those teams that are competing this year don't have the first rounder to give you. Yeah, it's it's, it's, so it's kind of wide open. It's easier said than done. Definitely. It's kind of wide open Who who's actually buying this year, too. Like, There's the obvious, like Saskatoon, Moose Jaw. They've made some moves already. Saskatoon made some moves. Yeah. Um, George may make some moves. That's the thing out west. Prince George, Portland's made a move. Wenichi's um, doing really well, but do they make moves to make themselves better and really sacrifice the rest of their <laughs> their history? They almost what? have no. They have no draft capital, so they need all. to build that back up somehow. And they've got a good team. It's just what do these new owners want to do? Like, what's what's the appetite in Wenatchee for this team? Like it's an interesting situation because still a good team but like i said that they have four i think top five draft picks in the next three years that's in the top five rounds so yeah out of 15 not, picks not very, they have four not very many not not at all but they're quite possibly one of the, the best teams in the west like imagine if they got benson back like they would probably be the best team in the west by by far I wonder if, if they can swing a deal with, with Medicine Hat or a team like that. I think Medicine Hat is one of the top teams that still has a first, if I'm correct, yeah. that they could get. They've got lots. I don't know if it's their – I mean, they're. I'm not saying it's not their year this year, but they're probably a little ahead of schedule. Do they want to bring in a 19 or are they looking to get – someone a little younger and, they, and they're another team that has three goalies they still haven't decided who the starting goalie is either yeah <laughs> that too um but yeah i think berg is almost the same as the Riker evans situation two years ago and they didn't pull the trigger on that and missed i mean the missed the playoffs i mean i understand they want to make playoffs with bedard just get in that first round and then and try to build off that for last year mm-hmm. but it didn't work out so I don't know. I don't. And this year, I don't want to say anything against these guys, but you want to build this team, like Drew was saying, with these younger guys. And Berg, his um, value isn't any higher, and I don't think it can get much higher. No, definitely not. So you almost got to sell high. And he's playing so good right he now. He with that, that like, hat trick against Kelowna to to close out the home schedule pre Christmas. Three assists the night before. Six points in two nights is yeah. tough to do as as a defenseman, and he's just so smart. The, I was talking on on one of the on the uh, the night he got the hat trick. He doesn't wind up and take the big slap shot from the point. He's just he's a, that puck has eyes whenever he throws it towards the net mm-hmm. because he's just he's so smart from them, from the blue line. 
Yeah, he's not flashy. He's not a disposal out there. He just goes about his business and and he's not your prototypical power play quarterback either. No, but it's it's coming around though. Now that he's got he more gets, time. Yeah, yeah. It's coming around and and like I said, he's the top plus minus guy on the team, and he plays all the top minutes against the top lines. Like that, that number is even almost more telling of his game than his points. For sure. But yeah, um, yeah, it's gonna be an interesting situation there. I think I think PG is maybe one of the teams that doesn't has an open twenty that I, I'm sure that they wouldn't. They're find. from what I understand, they're holding out for their uh, their defenseman. Uh, what's his name? Sampson, I think. Ethan Sampson. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. they're they're holding out for that, but it's getting close to the deadline, and they do have a spot open. Then I mean, Berg, I'm sure would slide right into there. Um, but yeah. Um, kind of the other issue the road record right like ouch yeah it's it's this past season was just the third road win yeah i mean the way they started at home if they were playing 500 hockey on the road we'd probably be having an entirely different conversation about if they rebuild or not no probably about it they would be totally they'd 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 be be right up there oh yeah they'd they'd have like four or five more wins (laughs) like they lost nine in a row so you give them say even just three just go three and six on the road like 30%, not not it, 0 for 9. It's funny because John Paddock has has a big has fingerprints all over this team still and his big th- uh, thing about the road was it's a hockey rink, a hockey rink's a hockey rink. So it's kind of a mystery as to why that's happened this year. Uh, I mean, bus legs can be a thing, but these guys are 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, 16 in some cases. So <laughs> there's a, there's enough veteran guys that have done this multiple times. They've traveled, they've been on that US road swing exactly. that goes two and a half weeks. So it really is a mystery to me. It's I, I mean, 100%, yeah. and I mean, the teams I, put them in good situations like that early, uh, remembrance day game in Brandon, it was two o'clock. So they went out the night before the, you go the day before to medicine yeah. hat. So the, the team is, as on the back end, they've they've put them in good positions, not going the day of on some of these trips, and and try to give them a good situation to. to and when things don't win. work, they've switched it up, travel wise, and it still hasn't worked. And it's yeah. funny because that I know this is going way back, but the very first game of the season, they went down early in Brandon, and then boom, they fire off like five unanswered goals or something like that. So they, I know that's uh, it's very different at the start of the regular season, but to me, they've shown that they're capable on the road just in that one game alone. And then obviously this past weekend in Lethbridge, uh, that 5-2 win was a more solid effort as well. But that's uh, that's something that'll have to be rectified if this is a team that wants to push for the fu- one of the final playoff spots in the Eastern Conference. And uh, my guess is as good as anybody's. I just I honestly can't answer it. And all why. all three of these last games were winnable games. Yeah, and they did pull four to six points, which was yeah. great. But they needed to get some W's in there. Just yeah. I think you got to beat you got to beat a team like Edmonton. I mean, I know it's that's always tougher on the road, but. You got to be beating beating teams like that. You, you can't lose three out of three against Edmonton, who have won nine games in the season. Yeah, no, that's that's almost unacceptable, right? So you you bring up a point there, Drew. Uh, they won the first game on the road. They just won a game on the road. They've won one game <laughs> in between that, right? Like yeah. that. That's a long time, and it's just it's, it's a head scratcher yeah, too for me. It's anyway. unfathomable to go that long without a without a win on the road. But going We're, back, go back to the Whitehead injury. They won like four games without him in the lineup. That too, yeah. So 
it was a struggle. Is he the straw that stirs the drink? Like I keep on saying. I, I yeah. think so. I mean, I, I just when you interview the, him and, the and confidence, like I said, when you, you hear what the players say about him, I think you're absolutely bang on with yeah. that. He's so outgoing. So uh, I don't know what the word is, but like he, the team he seems to have swagger when he's in the lineup. Yeah, and I mean, but I mean, just talking to him, like he, he's maybe he's that he's got that personality where people he draws people to him. Like he's so friendly, so outgoing, right? It, it really seems. Like he's that kind of guy that he just brings everybody together. All right, so kind of going back to the struggles there. I mean, you look at we've talked about this team is older, and you know, they're not getting the greatest production out of some of these guys that maybe we expected from. Um, you know, you guys got you guys you have guys going quite a few games without scoring a goal. Some of these older guys, right? And I know Spencer really struggled there for a bit. Not struggled, but just wasn't able to put a puck in the net like remember you see the flashes here and there seems like Vallis has kind of turned the corner here a bit he's kind of he's what he's got four four game goal streak here yeah points and seven points and seven yeah so he's kind of come around so it's like i think they expected more for some of these older guys right and and that's maybe why they they didn't move a lot of them last year like they only moved the armstrong and and stuff like that so it's maybe a little disappointing in the, on that front. Yeah, 15 games without a goal for Ty Spencer was surprising. Um, I guess he just a guy snake bitten, but then I know he turned it around there and had goals in three straight uh, before the road trip. And Sam Aremba's just become known as kind of a streaky scorer, and it's, it, it sucks to say that because of what he did with Brady Bernie and the Regina Vicks in minor hockey and breaking all those records. And he was actually last year was one of the prospects that uh, was listed for the upcoming NHL draft. And uh, whatever it is about Sam Aremba, I know we've all tossed back a few theories back and forth before he started recording was that he he's a point of game player for three games and then you don't really see him for for five or six games and uh, we all kind of had our own theories on that but uh, uh, he would be another one of those guys and Zachary Chance was such a force in that playoff series it seemed like he was a 17 year old that was going to come back and be an 18 year old in his prime in the Western Hockey League and uh, for whatever reason whether it's he's been playing more of a shutdown role or he just doesn't uh, gel well when the Lions are juggled as much as they have been he just hasn't been able to kind of find the scoring touch that I think some of us or a lot of us thought that he'd probably have after playing so well in that series against the Blades last April yeah I don't know if that was just kind of the playoff juice kind there's of thing. definitely that too right? yeah there's that extra mode to get up and go for sure and now you're in the the long haul of a season like he this is his first full season right so yeah lots of a grind yeah he didn't play a lot last year he was hurt last year right so it's interesting right like you said he was only 17 last year but 18 this year it's it's kind of yeah, the expectations were high for a lot of guys and a lot of them unfortunately haven't even got close to what we were expecting and yeah. what I'm sure the Pats were expecting from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you think a guy like Zane Rowan, he's been here for four years now, right? Like, he's a guy, he is definitely in that shutdown role kind of thing that him and Barnett have kind of gelled with there. We talked about chemistry. Those guys kind of stick together, but I thought he had more. Like, it seemed like he had he more sh- offensive. Shows, he shows signs. Like, he had more offensive game it seemed the last couple of years than he does this year for whatever reason like to only have one goal that 
it's he he showed a lot of skill too in the Kamloops Kelowna home games before this three and three Alberta swing with some of the he made a couple really nice moves and and really showed some of the skill that he has and that was his first flash of skill that I had ever seen from him and I thought okay it is there and I like you said maybe he just needs the right player with him but but um He's one of the guys, too. I know when I talked with Brad Haroff before the start of the year, he was one of the guys that said, this is the year where we expect him to be the player that we expected him to be when we drafted him, if that uh, makes sense. I'm stumbling over my words a little bit, but, but uh, it, he it makes sense. Another another one of those guys, yeah, that uh, you kind of scratch your head and you, you see the flashes and you almost wonder, like, why, why doesn't this guy put up more numbers? And uh, mm-hmm. there's a million things that can be said to that, but yeah. We'll have to see uh, if he's one of those guys because I I think he played well in those last two home games before uh, heading out onto the road. Yeah, like he only had four goals last year, five the previous season, but to only have one this year is yeah. The expectations were quite a bit higher because he's nineteen. He's been around yeah. a long time. Yeah, three years, not four. We were I, I was expecting him to be like Whitehead kind of last year last year to this year. Like mm-hmm. 14, 12, 14 goals. Yeah, goals I'm not whatever. expecting him to score 30 goals. There's still, there's still half a season left. Yeah. But I don't know. Um, 28 goals. The Pats have 28 goals from their five 19 year old forwards. Yeah. That's, that's uh, not enough goals. That's that's almost to the point where the. The alarm goes off in your head when when you come to that realization. I think, and I don't know. It, it it's funny because, like I said, you have a player like Sam Aremba that can really turn it on for three games, and uh, you know Ty Spencer starts scoring at the pace that you'd expect him to, and it can turn around quick. But uh, we're already at the Christmas break, so um, it's at the at make or break part of the season. Yeah, it's you're at that crossroads where with the six, deadline, six games to the deadline. Yeah, the yeah. deadline. And I, I totally get the point about, you know, if you're a bubble playoff team going for a minimum of two extra home gates, but from a pure hockey sense, I think there's players on this team that aren't guys that can be the guy, but they're complementary pieces for a lot of teams that have star players. And uh, I think that's how you have the opportunity to make some moves to eventually build towards the prime years of Bridgman and Kristen Alwich and Allman and Temple and even Cameron Kuzma, who played fairly well as a 15-year-old in training camp this year. Yeah, like we talked about these younger guys, right? So you look at Jackson Vaughn, the the step he's taken this year, like the increased role he's taken, move to the middle. Um, that's a guy that's really, I think, is primed for a, a really a good step here in the second half. If they maybe they do move a couple of these older guys, that he takes another increased role and into the next year as an 18 next year, that you can expect maybe more. And now that the scouts are watching him, he's 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 getting better. Yeah. So it's and it I wonder. Would be nice for him to get a, a bigger yeah. role. And I almost wonder, and I know, like I said, he got hurt, but I almost wonder if Corbin Vaughn is the most improved player. Now, obviously, there's a lot of teams who don't get a lot of opportunity to see, but is he the most improved player in the entire Western Hockey League? Like, he has really been (laughs) a force this year, uh, and obviously not going over, but just from what he was last year, he's he's come back, and he's just leaps and bounds uh, ahead of where he was last year. And obviously, it's tough as a rookie, and it's your first time playing this type of hockey, but... uh, 
he's and not uh, having an opportunity playing behind all yeah those guys. And, and that's the thing with a lot of these guys they just didn't get that ice time last year but uh I, I would almost throw it out to say he could potentially be the most improved player in the Western Hockey League. And obviously, cre- ha- you have to give a lot of credit to Jackson Vaughn as well, who has played uh, a lot better this year too. But um, yeah, that's that's a player that's really impressed, and hopefully he's back soon. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so some of these other guys that, you know, you look at Mushmanski getting his first couple goals here. <laughs> Four-point night. Yeah. And then two games later, he's scratched. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's like tough to see that right like you, you you get a guy confidence could be any higher right and then he's got to sit right it's unfortunate that's the problem with having a bunch of older guys on the team they got to get the older guys in if they want to win that's the whole idea but is we yeah. want to win but they're so not winning with them in that's the but problem the, that's the idea i know we got the older guys yeah. Best opportunity to win. No, for sure. I mean, Mushmansky's not going to come out and he's not going to be a point of game player. He's not going to score four points every game. But no, he's not even going to be a point of game player. He's he's but well, he, he could turn into he could turn into that. If you give him the opportunity as a seventeen year old, he could be a top six guy as a nineteen year old. When those other guys that I've mentioned are are the players that uh, that the Pats are expecting them to be in a couple of years, and then all of a sudden he can be the complimentary player to the Cole Temple, who's a star player. He could be the, the guy that plays the wing when Cole Temple's the number one center. But, yeah, if, if you're not playing as a 17-year-old, you're going to be still yeah. learning as a 19-year-old because you didn't have those opportunities to learn when you were younger. And he has shown that he can play. Like, yeah. four he's points just, in a game. That's and he's a hard worker, too. I was say, he's, he's, he's got like, a physical side to his game. He's like yeah. Ty Spencer, where he's just so tenacious. and But he's a little bit heavier, I think, than quite, Ty quite Spencer. Quite a bit bigger. So, yeah. 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 Uh, he's He's got the work ethic as well. And uh, if he can learn to develop his skill a little bit as a 17-year-old, then I I would love to see him turn into the guy that's a, the, the winger to Cole Temple, who's the number one center one day, or, or Corbin Allman, too, even. But to sit on the bench or to sit in the stands doesn't help build no. that up. No, absolutely no. not. You got to no. play. Yeah. I mean, it's teams have this issue every year, right? Every, like every team does. Every right. team does, and it's like, okay, how much do we play our young guys? How much experience? At what cost do we play them? Right? It's such a catch twenty two, right? And so, I mean, so you're looking on the back end, yeah, like Vaughn, like he's really stepped up. And the, the latest weekly report, which was last week, came out this week. He's still six to eight weeks. Yeah, he's been six to eight weeks for yeah. six weeks now. So it's it's, it's potentially uh, that's February. a lot longer than than we initially thought from yeah. what I've heard. But without speculating, we- it's yeah, it's a while. Is, yeah, it's still six to eight weeks. So, which is really unfortunate. Oh, hundred percent. Definitely see that he was, he was stepping up so well for the team so well. and and for the person that he is. Is yeah. he just he deserved all the credit that he was getting? It's tough to see. It kind of reminds me of a guy we were just talking about before we started recording. Uh, we're watching on TV now, uh, Riker Evans. The year he broke um, mm-hmm. whatever yeah. his leg or his foot, there yeah. you could just see th- you could see the rise he was making, and I mean it, it didn't affect him in the long run, but it was just so hard to see him miss that half season yep. or so. Um, I think a guy that kind of came out of nowhere is Bridgman. I mean he's quietly just playing a solid, solid defense, like top four role. <laughs> Pretty much with right? three twenty-year-olds and he's with, sixteen. Yeah, seventeen. Right? Pardon me. Yeah, and just a list guy, local guy here. Just a list guy. Like he's got some size. He doesn't play overly physical, but I think he's just starting to learn that how to yeah. how to play against older, stronger guys here. But I think he's a kind of a diamond in the rough that they 
and I know when they first listed him, Paddock was was very complimentary of his game, and he said he said he's wasting his time playing Double A. He should have been playing with the Pat C's two years ago. Or uh, yeah, because he played Pat C's last year, I think. Yeah. So he should have been playing there two years ago. He thought, and uh, but he ended up winning, I think, it, the provincial title with Double A mm-hmm. that year. So it's an interesting. It's another local guy, right? So. And he's also one of those guys that's got a great personality, at least from what I've seen when we've interviewed him, a lot like Whitehead. His answer when, when we asked him about playing double-A instead of playing with the Patsies was, well, I got a lot more ice time, so I think I learned a lot more than I would have. And he seems to have that really positive outlook on things too. And uh, you love to see that from, from young guys because if, they, if he can eventually become the next Braxton Whitehead, then boom, there's another piece uh, in the future that, uh, that you need. And it's, it's that, uh, that gel guy and that morale guy that uh is that he could be just just from when we've talked to him uh post game a little bit throughout the year he seems like he's got the potential to to become a player like that um yeah um back to cole temple we've talked about him a little bit but another guy that's out unfortunately um, he's listed as week to week week to week is that the update yeah okay so yeah, that's unfortunate because he was gone there, like we said, for under-17s. Then he comes back, and now he's gone again. And that's a guy that was getting a lot of minutes as a young player. Yeah, and he wasn't able to get a stride back after he came back from the yeah, under-17s. He was, he was kind of lost. Not lost, but he, he seemed a little off a little bit, didn't he? Yeah, it was just, uh, just something different about his game. He wasn't getting as much opportunities. He was getting pushed off the puck a little easier or something i don't know if he was more tentative or different line mates different combinations different everything kind of led to that i don't know he just wasn't wasn't the same player after coming back from the u17s yeah sometimes you almost wonder if if he was nursing or trying to work through an injury or something like that even it was was kind of to that point it seemed a little bit but uh yeah hopefully he's back soon too because uh this is a. I, I really. It's an important year for him, obviously, um, because we all know how highly touted uh, he is for the Pats. The, the only thing is, though, if he was in the lineup, who sits? Yeah, <laughs> that's again. the does, thing. Does a Allman great question. Again? Yeah. So, like, I, I would hate to see Corbin Allman sitting too. Exactly. He is the guy that's going to sit, though. Yeah. The the young guys seem to be the ones that are sitting. Yeah. What what seemed to work early in the season is if a player was like an older player was having a bad game, they would sit. And then all of a sudden, the next game or the next couple games, they would light it up. That they happened kind of to multiple players. Rotating the older they were guys. rotating the older guys. They had the young kids playing, and then got away from that. Everything kind of, everything changed. Yeah. Um, I think one of the most consistent players, Tanner Howe. We haven't talked about him, the captain. I mean, why do we have to talk about Tanner Howe? Because he is he is the every player. <laughs> <laughs> I guess because he's doing what we we'd expected him to do. Maybe yeah. <laughs> scores, block shots, kills penalties. One of the best two way players in the Western Hockey. Definitely, probably, uh, sure. definitely up there, hundred yeah. percent. And he I, just uh, he just turned eighteen. Yeah, and uh, that's gonna really be speak well for him. Uh, for teams that are looking to draft him because he's even said before he he doesn't see himself in the NHL as a point-per-game player. He sees himself as a, as a two-way forward that kills penalties. Yeah, third-line kind of guy, plays right? third-line guy but chips in with probably 50, 50, 60 points a year. So. And a lot of teams are looking for players like that that are absolutely. willing to yeah. do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He'd um, be, for next year, he'd be like a perfect Team Canada player. Yeah, 
He'd be a guy. That fourth he's, line. he's a top line guy here, but he'd be willing to he play could, third, fourth line, play kill third penalties, fourth line, do whatever. Because that's that, always the struggle for Team Canada to mm-hmm. bring. You, there's so much offensive talent. How do you bring in some guys, or what guys do you bring in to play that third, fourth line role that maybe don't play that yeah. on their junior club? And that, that's why I think Riley Height and Andrew Crystal don't don't go is because they're not going to play that that a type of six. game. They're they're the star players, and it's just their depth. The depth and the talent pool is uh, is just never ending, but. Uh, Tanner Howe would be a guy that fits in perfectly on a third or fourth line, like like Fraser Minton might do this year. And those guys Canada. are also both eighteen as well, too. So yeah. yeah, they didn't take many of those guys other than Celebrini. Mm-hmm, that's so true. Seventeen. Yeah. yeah, but he's he's the next. Yeah, next I one. <laughs> I mean, how could how could he even got a look this year? Like, I it wouldn't have been shocking. No, but but they had their thirty guys. No, they, they we, yeah, and then they ended up getting that guy from Boston. Yeah, so. the pro guy. Yeah. Poitras or whatever his name was. Yeah, um, yeah. I was I wasn't too sure about his offensive output this year. I mean, with with losing so much offensive talent coming into the season, I wasn't too sure. I I knew his complete game was still going to be there because you've seen it last year how good it was. Last two years, really. I just wasn't not that I didn't doubt him. I just wasn't too sure how how if he could be the driving force of this team offensively. And I mean, he's doing a pretty good job as a seventeen year old, right? Like. Like I said, just turned eighteen this this month here. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think you'd you'd obviously expect no matter who you are to see a little bit of a drop off when you don't I know he didn't play a hundred percent of his minutes with Connor Bedard last year, but uh you just expect to see that drop off because when you play with a generational talent, they're obviously going to make anybody better around them. And sometimes Tanner Howe would just, he would be making a really strong defensive play. And then Connor Bedard would just magically go down and end up scoring a goal. And Tanner Howe would get an assist just for making a smart defensive play. I think we've seen that before with maybe a guy like Nick Henry when he lost, uh, uh, was it Sam Steele and uh, Adam Brooks and stuff like that? So it's just you know stuff that yeah. you'd expect to see when uh, when a generational player is uh, is no longer with you. But uh, Tanner House still and uh, probably a late first round pick, I think, by in my mind. Just think of what kind of point totals How would have if these other guys played up to our or their expectations. Yeah, he yeah. instead of having thirty nine and pushing a hundred points be, this year by the end of the he'd year, he'd have he'd probably like fifty points already. Hmm. Yeah. And I mean, like he he didn't play as much with Bedard last year, you know, with the emergence of Suzdalev. Like he almost lost his position on that one-time shot, right? Like on the power play and stuff. Um, but you've seen you've seen him score those goals, like three feet off the icing line that he's putting those one-timers in. So you know he had the skill, and it was just yeah, can he put it all together for this year, being that guy, and it, and it's worked out for him. So uh, you know, like I said, he's his name's gonna be called in that first. Two rounds for sure, I think. And oh yeah, definitely. And if, he keeps, I, if he keeps playing the way he has been, he's definitely going to get a, a yeah. look late first round, late first yeah. round, early second for sure. Yeah, and I, I kind of I've I know I've brought this story up before, but like Rick Gordon was the star here in Regina, right? And he he was the guy, even in the WHL, like he was one of the guys. And his pro career didn't include anything in North America. He only went to Europe and. and it was kind of like, oh, okay, he's, you know, he, he thought he was going to do something more, right? And then you see his brother, Boyd, played in, in Red Deer, and then he did that third-line role. Like, he played Washington for how long, and he was that penalty killer. Like, that, I, I can't remember what his point totals were here in the WHL, 
but he it, wasn't a huge point. No, getter. he wasn't. Right. He was a perfect role player. He was, and that's that's kind of what Tanner Howell I liken that to, and with some offensive with talent. more offensive ability. Yeah, but I think I think he has a little bit of offensive. But what makes him a full time NHL player is exactly that. And yeah. when he gets a little bit older, I can see him also being an extremely key face off player, uh, the guy that takes the really really important draws. I know as a younger guy, it's really tough to succeed in the NHL in the face off dot. But as when he gets a little bit older and a little bit stronger, he'll he'll also probably be one of those guys that's heavily relied upon to to take key draws for for teams as well. But just just this whole overall overall game is gonna be a key for him to be a mm-hmm. long time NHLer. No matter what, even if he's not killing killing penalties, playing third line, not even maybe taking faceoffs, which would be awesome if he was able to add that aspect, get more yeah. wins. I don't know what his faceoff percentage is this year. There's I mean. there's been some games that have been rough, not just for him, but for for many of the Pats. But yeah, yeah as long as long as he continues on what he's doing, he's he's gonna make it. Well, he's going to make it into a really long, long pro career. I think so. Um, all right. Well, is there any other kind of specific topics you guys want to talk about? No, I think we've covered a lot. But I think, like like you guys were saying, the next five, six games are probably going to determine what the Pats are this season. Are they a team that maybe snags the final playoff spot, or are they a team that's uh, – looks ahead to two years from now. It's, so it's going to be exciting when, when the Christmas break ends to, to see how the team performs because I think that maybe might be uh, the, the the deciding factor is if they can come back and play like they were in uh, September and October or if they unfortunately play like they do in November. That's that's going to mean it goes the other way. So I'm, I'm excited to see uh, what this team does between now and January 10th because uh, they're right in the middle. They could, they could go one way or the other right now. And... Uh, the way they play uh, after Christmas is, is going to probably determine that. You say five, six games. I think it's the next four games. Mm-hmm. Two against Brandon, two against Moose Jaw. Teams that you need to beat. Confer- or division teams, teams that you're behind in the standings. If they don't, then that pretty much sets it sets it for the deadline, I think. Yeah, and I'm, it was nice to see them not mail it in on that three and three. Three and three on the road in Alberta. Right before Christmas, like the team yeah. could have mailed it in, and I know I asked Parkerberg about that on the last home game after Kelowna there, and he's like, "No, we've talked about it. You know, guys, you know, guys got flights booked, guys got this going, but we're focusing on these games." And it was nice to see them, you know, finally pick up a win, but play good. Like they should have probably won that Edmonton game. Like they were in it, and they could have won the Red Deer game too. They so could have won. Yeah, both went to overtime, right? They they were that close to that close. winning all three, yeah. right? So it was nice to see them not mailing in and actually put forth an effort that we were seeing, like you said, earlier in the season before this kind of the rough stretch. And they, they left it all out there against Red Deer, and they actually did pretty well against yeah. Edmonton, who has their number. Yeah, that almost three and three in an afternoon. So that almost creates another dilemma: is have they rectified the road issues? Uh, I know three games when when you've lost as many as they've lost on the road, maybe three games isn't enough of a sample size to to conclude that they've turned it around on the road, but maybe it's another conversation starter and another uh, argument that you can make is have they turned it around on the road because they were able to get points uh, in every game. But uh, uh, it's funny, there's so much up in the air with this team right now just in terms of directions that they can take. Yeah, it's uh, like you say, everything is up in the air. Like The deadline is so close. They are on the outside looking in right now, but if all of a sudden they pull off two or three four wins these next four games yeah what happens they were 
Yeah, <laughs> this was a team that has had a winning streak of four games, five maybe. Um, like you guys said, we're at one point seven three and one. So um, it's almost like it's a team that's capable. They've just got to find the right uh, the right concoction of lines and stuff. But uh, it's uh, <laughs> it would be really tough to be Al Miller right now because obviously you're extremely competitive. But you also have to be realistic, and uh, I'm I'm glad that I'm not uh, making the decision on whether you stay put with what you got right now or sell. Yeah, I'm sure his cell phone is ringing. Yeah, I'm sure it's he's making be. some calls. Definitely, and obviously this is a first year with him. We've seen him build some teams with Moose Jaw. They've been pretty good. weren't able to get over that hump, but uh, he's built some good teams, and, and he's made some moves here. He's made some moves. He said he wanted to wait, what what do you say, 10, 10 to 20 games to see what the team was made of. And, and then he waited a little longer than that. A little longer, yeah. The team, you know, he but they, need to they, feel him out. And the whole league, too, like, or the conference. Like like we said, nobody's ran away with this conference or the other conference yet, right? It's it's still, everything's up in the air. Like you said, a, a three-game win streak, and you're right back in the middle of it. Like, we, you pick up three of those, three of those nine wins on the road, you could you know, you're I, right in the middle of the pack. Then. Yeah, and it, until recently, in uh, in the in in the Pats division, no one had really run away with it. I know the Blades are starting to a little bit, but there was a point there where I was really saying to myself, like, "Where's the Saskatoon team that we all expected this year? Where's the Moose Jaw team that we all expected this year?" And uh, Prince Albert even isn't quite where I thought uh, they'd be this year as well. But uh, that's changing a little bit now, and you're finally kind of starting to see some of those teams maybe be the teams that we thought yeah, they'd started, be. Yeah, it's starting but, to shake out a little but, bit. A little bit. But, but for a long point in time, it was kind of like, geez, maybe uh, the Pats are going to get a little bit of help from some of their division rivals who were kind of underperforming to start the season. But yeah, like, like you guys said, it is kind of starting to, you're starting to see that separation a little bit. Yeah, the, the Blades, they, they made that move to get Minton. They, they've they've improved quite a bit. They're, they're starting to get up there. They're 10 points up on the Warriors in the division. So yeah. They're starting to pull away a little bit, so maybe they'll make a couple more moves before the deadline. But the the Pats are only like legitly eight points out of third in the conference. Yeah, I know, so right? They win, th- say three of these next four. That's six points. That puts them well within range of a play. They're in the playoffs, so it, you could still maybe move a guy or two, and still hope to sneak in right you can get a younger guy back that's that's the thing the rebuild now you you can't get a 16 right like or a 17 without permission without permission right so it's tough to get a 17 and if and you have a 17 signed you have to ask for permission or so they have to ask for a trade that's what, like i was saying it's easier said than done when yeah, you don't want to make every, moves, everything yeah. changed after what seven 2018 2018 20, yeah, yeah uh, the right trade you can't bring in a jake lecician no like a top prime, I nope. think he was 15 at that point. And teams right? are signing so many young guys now; it's it's making it more difficult to get these young guys. Yeah, you can't trade for an unsigned guy because everybody's signing. Right? Yeah, the, the, there's te- almost every week there's two or three teams adding another mm-hmm. 16 or 17 year old. Even, well, 15, 16, 17. It's, it's yeah. Unbelievable. So that that's the toughest part about doing this doing these rebuilds now you can't get real young you yeah. got to bring in an 18 for a 19 mm-hmm. well i don't it's want i don't want an 18 for a 19 like it's i want still it. talking rebuild we've got peskett and wilson in those deals and neither one of them have really caught fire yet they've played yeah. well they're very similar they're both big they're both they both can skate but neither one's caught fire yet so hopefully those guys can catch catch fire a little bit i know they're not prospects they're legit players yeah. 
but it'd be nice to see those guys get going to help with uh, the other guys. That Maybe it'll help make them decide which older guys they can get rid of. Because like we've said, we can only have three of those 19 guys back next year. Yeah. They need to do something. Yeah, they don't have to move three. But no. Make it a little easier for yeah. next year. Because you can always trade a 20 in the off season. It's not easy, but you can trade a 20. Um, it just depends who wants what, right? Who yeah. who who wants somebody. And Miller did say he does want to get younger and wants to get bigger. So yeah. it would it would be nice to see that come to come to fruition. I'm not I'm not saying specific players to go out, come in or whatever, but it'd be nice for him to actually be able to do what he wants to do. Yeah. Put his stamp on the team. That's why he exactly. came back to junior hockey. He wants to build a team. That's what he said. He he liked the team Canada, the hockey Canada stuff, but he he wants to build and 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 generate this team and and go on you know a run or, or whatever you know build a franchise right. So it's and it's funny because to your guys's point a little bit earlier on, if they do come back hot out of the Christmas break and are right back in that playoff conversation, then the hand is forced a little bit because to the point that you guys made at the start of the podcast, um, you want as many home playoff games as you can get. And likely if you sneak into the playoffs, you're playing Saskatoon, which would be tremendous for fan draw because <laughs> it's the second year in a row. Or you're playing Moose Jaw, probably. Uh, maybe because uh, and and everybody knows the rivalry that those two teams have, so it's almost kind of like, well, we got to go for it now because in all likelihood we'll be playing the Blades again for the second year in a row, or there's a decent chance we could play Moose Jaw or Medicine Hat or Medicine Hat, which <laughs> hasn't worked out very well this year. No, because those guys score goals. Yeah, 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 <laughs> almost as much as Prince George. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, with that. Uh, We'll wrap it up here. Any closing thoughts you got, Kevin? No, just looking forward to these few days off and uh, getting back into the rink. Hopefully they can get it together one way or the other and figure figure stuff out. Deadline's coming up soon. Yeah. You, Drew? Yeah. Like I said, we're going to see the direction that the Pats are going to take very, very soon. Um, and their hand's going to be forced a little bit with the deadline coming up. And uh, no, it's it's been fun. I'm, I'm uh, always super excited to, to have the opportunity to come join you guys and uh, see the team from from a closer, closer perspective and a different angle. And uh, it's uh, it's Christmas time. So I hope everybody has a has a great holiday season and uh Really excited for uh, for the few first few games in January. It's going to make a dull month in January. Really exciting if you're a Pats fan because uh, we're, we're going to see what uh, what direction this team goes in very soon. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. That's for sure. Um, yeah, thanks again for coming on. And always enjoy your perspective. One of the few people that uh, actually really watch more than five or six games. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's been tough this year. <laughs> I've been busy, but yeah, uh, it is you're, you're, you're actually watching and paying attention. And yeah, stuff. there's. No. Yeah, there's not enough not enough media that, that we that. can draw upon, right? Yeah, it's right. unfortunate, and and not enough media is one of the reasons why I'm more busy with my full time job. So uh, it's yeah. been tough, but try to catch as much as I can. So yeah, hopefully it can be at every game, every home game in January and February is the goal. So we'll see. Yeah, definitely. So thanks, Kevin, as usual. Thanks again, Drew, and. Yeah, everybody have a Merry Christmas and uh, Happy Holidays, and we'll see you in the new year. Take it easy.